oh no, why is that? It's like, oh no, because it's sort of unexpected. People just don't knock on your door these days unexpectedly. Now, if you're expecting somebody, then, then that's good. You're going to go let them in, that kind of deal. But we are not used to people unexpectedly, necessarily, knocking on our door. But if somebody did knock on your door unexpectedly, who would you like to see on the other side? Have you ever thought about that? Well, you probably don't want to see a stranger. You probably don't want to see people with a big Bible to thump you or something, right? And hopefully it's not an enemy. You like to see a friend. Especially if they were a friend you hadn't seen in a long time and they just thought they would stop by and drop in and get to know you. And you would drop whatever you had and took a few moments, maybe even hours, to spend together. If you had to pick somebody to stop by and knock on your door unexpectedly, who would it be? A friend. Maybe, though. I mean, just let's just wild imagination. Pick anybody. Pick anybody like uh, somebody famous. Whether they're an athlete or, or maybe a, a movie star. Maybe somebody of notoriety. Wouldn't it be pretty cool if somebody knocked on your door of that kind of caliber, and you're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing here? Sometimes Jay Leno used to do that. I remember on, on the night, it's like, well, well, yeah, Jay, what? sure, Jay, come on in, right? And they'd film it all in there and put it on TV, right? Well, think in terms of a famous person, who would it be? Can you participate with me on this one? All right, be with me a little bit. Let's get going. Give me some names. Don't be shy about it. Don't be embarrassed. George Clooney. <laughs> You're being really awesome. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> Some other names. Robin Williams. That would be a fun time, wouldn't it? Publisher's Clearinghouse. Publisher's Clearinghouse. <laughs> hey, that's what you want. That's right. couple others. Anybody? Oprah Winfrey. Sit down and talk with her for a while, right? Anybody else? Richard who? Gear. Richard Gere. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you guys are all, your own minds are going down. Who would I really like to see? Oh, well, I tell you what. We're going to talk about somebody stopping by somebody's house today that I think everyone would want us to have him stop by our house. And that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Unexpectedly sort of popping in, stopping by, and having a rich conversation in a household. And I'm not sure, you know, how I would fully react with all that. I mean, at that time that we're going to look at this story, they were still trying to get a feel for who Jesus was. But I want you to know today, one of the reasons we're doing this series on conversations with Jesus, I don't know if you believe it, but I believe it, and I'll tell you again today, you can have a conversation with the Jesus who was and is and is to come. Jesus is able to commune with you. Remember that verse? We grew up with it. If we grew up in church a little bit, there was always the behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, the handles from the inside, I will come in with him and eat with him and sup with him. Right? Some of us have the picture in our mind of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. 
But it is true. Jesus desires to stop by your house, by your life, and have a conversation with you. And I believe the conversation that He wants to have with you is a conversation that will impact and change your life forever. Have you ever had one of those conversations with someone? Maybe some chance moments. I could, I could you know, flip through the history and the annals of my mind and my, my life and go, that conversation was so significant when I sat down with them. And that conversation, this person, and maybe it was a mentor. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was your mother. Maybe it was a friend. And those conversations changed your life and the trajectory of your life forever. Do you believe Jesus wants to stop by your way and have a conversation with you this very week? Unexpectedly, maybe. And what are you going to do? Oh, man, who's here now? Oh, just tell him to go away. You would never do that to Jesus, would you? Tell him to go away. But you know what? If I'm honest in my life, the way that I live my life sometimes It's as if I shun him and I tell him, go away. Go away. I want you to evaluate your life, your lifestyle, your pace of life. And would you be one of those individuals who's receptive to receiving the presence of Jesus in your life unexpectedly? Having not only a conversation with him, but having some intimate moments of transformation for your life. And here's the deal. It's possible. Because He desires that kind of communion with you and I. But, if we were to look at our schedules, if we were to look at the hecticness of all that's going on, they're good things. Responsibility. I think we would find ourselves a little sheepish. That there's really not a lot of margin and white space for that to happen in our life, to encounter Jesus. Turn with me, if you will, to John. I mean, Luke. I actually changed uh, the passage we were looking at today, but the conversation, the couple that he's having a conversation with, I didn't change. We were going to look at Mary and Martha out of John 11, with the raising of Lazarus. But I want to look at Mary and Martha as it relates to Luke 10. And again, we're not going to... uh, Take the opportunity to put up a bunch of slides. I want you to fall into the story and hear the story. Now, this is a very brief story. This is a very brief story. It took place in a village called Bethany. And Bethany was on the eastern slopes of the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem. And this is actually a picture of where that's at today, overseas. And um, Bethany was about two miles outside of Jerusalem. It sort of became a little bit of a stopping point for Jesus when he would do his Jerusalem business. Two miles is not very far away. That's probably about from here down to Chaparral High School, right? And so we're thinking, you know, Jesus is close to Jerusalem. This is probably about six months before the crucifixion. So things are getting a little heated and congested, uh, contested. And what we find is Jesus, you know, we don't think about it, but Jesus had good friends. And he would come across these friends. Not, we're not talking just the disciples, but as he was moving around from place to place, he would come across people and he would engage with them and they would become friends of his. And there was one particular household where there were two sisters and a brother that he was pretty good friends with. The oldest sister's name was Martha. She owned the home. She sort of um, oversaw her sister Mary 
some. I have no idea how much the age difference might have been. And then there was Lazarus, who later Lazarus died and, and was raised from the dead by Jesus. All right. Now, this story takes place in Bethany in the home of Martha on just a typical day. Nothing unique about the day other than that Jesus starts to come by their way and he knocks on the door and there's this encounter. There's this conversation that takes place and there's this huge teachable moment that we can reflect on today. And so the passage is really very quick and I'm just going to read straight through it in Luke 10. Luke 10 verse 38, it says this, And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. On their way where? On their way to Jerusalem. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here we are in this village. Jesus stops by, he knocks, and he's got the entourage most likely with him, his disciples. So this isn't just one little stopping by. It's like you open the door and go, ha, ha, well, there's a whole party here. Who's bringing the party? And it's almost like, well, you're sort of the party, right? Oh, well, yeah, hospitality, come on in. Now, in those days, you didn't have a lot of hotels, right? You just couldn't go down to your Motel 6 or 8 or Hampton Inn or something like that and check in. The hospitality of taking strangers in and caring for them was a thing that was highly esteemed. In fact, uh, it's believed as one of the main reasons the gospel spread so rapidly after the life of Christ and his, uh, his ascension is because when they started taking the gospel and sharing the gospel, they would end up um, bringing, coming into homes and the whole household would hear the story of the gospel's message. And so it would move on from there. Now what we find is Jesus stopping by with his entourage unexpectedly, but Martha is one of those kinds of individuals that knows how to put on the hospitality and care. She's so excited that Jesus is there. Come in, come in. And they start to get seated around the living room. I'm sure it wasn't a very big kind of space. And she goes to work with preparations. Now, it doesn't say specifically, but we're assuming that she's preparing the meal. And this wasn't just some small meal. I mean, you've got a lot of people. And those of you who prepare meals, you know what it takes to get the deal pulled off. And it just doesn't happen by chance. So she goes to the task. She gets things right. And, and, and the guys, the guys, they're, they're in the room with Jesus. And Jesus is sharing and talking with them. And it says here that her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said culturally identify with this. Men, if they wanted to be educated, found a teacher, not a university. They traveled with that rabbi and they learned from him. They sat at his feet. In fact, the scriptures, Paul himself talks about sitting at Gamaliel's feet. He was, he was a student of a rabbi. And so this was a typical rabbinical moment where they were in the household, the men were seated uh, around at the feet, and Jesus was teaching them and interacting with them. Well, someone else was 
preparing the food. Martha, now Martha's personality was, uh, uh, she was she was a go-getter. She was probably type A, demanding kind of personality. She was big-hearted. She was a giving kind of person. She liked to pull off projects. She was in the, the best sense of the word, a homemaker. But she was a leader. She had leadership skills. And, and she could make things happen, right? And you're going like, yeah, that's, that's really... And there is nothing wrong with what Martha is doing in this story. Jesus does not chastise Martha for what she is doing. He begins to address her attitude, though, in a few moments. So you can see Martha loving Jesus by her acts of service to Jesus. And that's one way that we love one another, right? The, the, the different love languages. And some of you maybe studied that, interacted with it. Men, if you don't know anything about the love languages, you need to buy the book and figure that one out because it would really help your marriage. <laughs> okay? How do you like to be loved and appreciated, all right? Well, she was loving Jesus through acts of service. And so don't ever doubt the love that Martha had for Jesus in this moment. But as she's preparing this, it would be tradition that the guys would be in the room, seated with their rabbi. Except this picture is a little different and strange and sort of almost sacrilegious. There was a woman seated at the feet of Jesus. Friends, women didn't sit at the feet of of a rabbi with a group of men. It didn't happen in those days. But Mary, immense desire to know Jesus, was there. Now, a lot of times what we have to catch in Scripture as you pull back to the cultural scene and then bring it forward is what Jesus was doing to radically redefine culture of that day. And Jesus warmly embraced women. And Jesus warmly embraced female leadership. In fact, you did not sit at the foot of a rabbi learning unless you were going to end up becoming someone who was a teacher of other people. And so, he doesn't dismiss Mary for being seated there. Because what are you doing sitting there, man? That's not your place. Get out in the kitchen. That's not your Jesus. Your Jesus is you have every right to be seated there. And to learn from me so that you can teach others. He embraced female leadership. And I think it's one of the most critical things that we need to do, sometimes in our evangelical churches, is to uphold strong female leadership and embrace it and champion it. In fact, global missions today, I don't think, would have been accomplished if it wasn't for the sacrifice of women take the initiative on some of the front. Now, that doesn't mean that men sort of sheepishly go by the wayside. Oh, I guess I'll just do this. No. He wants strong men and women engaged in his kingdom's work. And so here's Mary. And I wouldn't be surprised if part of Martha being incensed a little bit was because Mary was doing something that wasn't culturally appropriate in that moment. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. So Martha's busy. Making preparations. The Greek word is the word for service. The same word that we use for having deacons in a church. And so she's about the Lord's business. Taking care of things. Can you picture her back there? She's, 
you know, basting the roast and she's folding the napkins and, and she's, you know, I mean, she's got it all going. She's, you know, she's got all the plans and preparations, even down to the dessert. You know, he's do, she's doing a little sherbet in the cups and the bowls. She's, I mean, she's, she's got this thing going. Got it. We're good. We're good. But after a while, after a while she starts thinking to herself, why am I doing this by myself? What? Where are the other people at? In particular, where's my sister? All right? So she starts to get a little indignant because she thought she was in this as a partnership. They're hosting Jesus in their home. Yes, she owns the home, but it's their home, and why wouldn't she be helping? Now, I want to ask you this, especially if you've been around church and God's called you to be serving the kingdom of God, which I believe he's called all of us to do that if we're following him. Do you ever get to a place where you're serving Jesus sometimes and you wonder, like, where's everybody else at? Why am I the same person doing this? You know, statistics say that uh, 10% of the people in a church, you know, are the people that do the work, the 90% of the work. And why is that, right? Well, sometimes because we're all busy, different things going on. Sometimes we don't feel like we have a place or something to offer. Other but sometimes it's just the nature of the beast. And if you're one of those people in that 10 or 20 percent sometimes that seem like doing all the work, you know, you can identify with this Martha moment. Hello? Hello? I'm here laboring and sweating and persevering, trying to knock this down. And you people don't seem to have an appreciation for it. So Martha started to get a little ticked, okay? And so you see the scenario start to unfold. She's in the kitchen. She's thinking about what's going on out there. And here's Mary and what she's doing. And she's in here. And, and there's a lot of guys. These are hungry guys. There's, there's a big deal, you know. She had to make a quick, quick run to Walmart or whatever. And, uh, you know, this is, this is not good for her. And then there's part of her like, well, I was so great that Jesus stopped by. But I'm not able to be there with him. But Martha, it says in verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> okay. That's a nice way of putting it in writing. The words actually used there means that she burst through the kitchen door into the living room, rolling pin in hand, bucket of green beans underneath her arm, and going, Jesus! Don't you care? Don't you care that I'm doing all the work? And, and, and look at Mary, she's just sitting in here? <laughs> I had to think about it this week. Because I tried to put myself in Jesus' shoes. You're like, oh, hang on, lady. <laughs> but how many times does Jesus, every day, still hear that complaint from us. Jesus, don't you care? Why isn't so-and-so doing something? Or why do they get to do that? That's one of our main cries and pleas. Jesus, don't care. Where you at? What's going on? Look at my life. Look what I'm dealt with. What I have to do. And Jesus sort of just takes it in. He doesn't necessarily rebuke Martha in this particular moment. But... We have to be mindful that there's something. we do the same thing with our Lord. You ever um, sort of there's sort of this false 
sometimes we say one thing, but we mean another thing. Like, you know, if you say someone to say, hey, uh, I don't mean to contradict you, but well, that word but <laughs> means that basically what they're saying is I'm now going to contradict you. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that you're a jerk, but yeah, you are. <laughs> Jesus, I don't, I don't mean to say this, but don't you really care? Now, she was accusing Jesus. Jesus, you don't care. You do not care about my life and my situation and what's going on. Are you there? I've been there some. It comes and goes a lot of times. It's like, yeah, Jesus, you don't. Where are you at? Where are you at in this situation? So that's sort of the, the bio on Martha. Let's look at the bio on Mary. Mary, it's a real simple state, statement. It says, Mary had, Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Four things here. Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet. There was a place of quietness that she gathered about herself. She was listening. There was a, a place of attentiveness that was going on with her. She was listening to his word. There was a submissiveness that was going on. And in all this, as she was, you know, seated there at his feet, listening to his word, I want you to focus on the issue of proximity. There was a nearness that she chose in that moment. And what Mar Martha was doing was fine. She was serving and loving the Lord. But Mary was commended for what she was doing. And I believe it had to do with a lot with this issue of the proximity of where she was. Now, here's the question. Which woman was serving and loving God? Oh. Which one was in the better place? Mary was. Our lives will be busy. Some weeks you have to operate in crisis mode to knock it all down and make it happen. But even in the midst of those weeks, I ask you to question yourself where your proximity is concerning being with Jesus. Because he can be with you in the hecticness. He can be with you in the frantic living room that's going on. But there was something about the quietness, the nearness, the attentiveness, and the submissiveness of Mary that Jesus highly commended. And I believe he would highly recommend for you and for me. And being on Mother's Day, and you're mindful of all the responsibilities as a mom, and the things that still aren't done today you need to get to, and the things you thought you were going to get to this month that you're pushing off to next month again, please, I ask you, don't allow the responsibilities of life to shrivel up your soul and pull you away from the presence of being with the Lord Jesus. 
the reason I switched this message this week, well, actually, I originally wanted to talk on this conversation, and I thought I'd keep everything in the book of John, so I said, I'm going to go with Mary and Martha and John you know, 11. But I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. I couldn't because I started to look at my own life in the last few months. Good things. Good things. But I saw the pace of my life and what was happening. And then I began to do an interior examination of my soul. And I saw that my soul was starting to dry up. And I said, Lord, I need to talk about Mary and Martha and the conversation you had concerning a hurried lifestyle. All good things. Ministry things in particular are self-deceiving because they're good things. You're helping people. You're encouraging things. You're knocking things down. You're making stuff happen. But I remember a chance conversation I heard with a leader once who said this concerning his own life after a number of years of ministry. And he said this, and it sticks with me. It's branded on my heart. He said, the way I was going about doing the work of God was killing the work of God in me. The way I was going about doing the work of God was killing the work of God in me. And the work of God for you may be being responsible in your career, vocationally helping and and reaching out. Maybe it's academic studies and be responsible to, to finish out those exams and those tests and those papers well. Maybe it's as a mother and being able to be there and nurture your kids and provide for them and, yeah, take them around here and there. But is the way that you're going about doing life, killing life, particularly the life of God in you, And could we maybe just pause in this moment on this Mother's Day and say, enough is enough. I want to be found in proximity, near to the feet of Jesus. That's a nice little saying. How does it happen? Well, I cannot define how that happens for you. But I guarantee you, it's not going to happen without you finding some quietness, some nearness, some ability to dig out your ears and give attentiveness to His Word and His still small voice and without obedience to what He's already told you you need to walk in the way of. But as you begin to do that, and you reorder, maybe maybe it's just a morning, maybe it's evening, maybe it's something during your week where you're just trying to steal away from some time, I don't know, to be in the presence of the Lord. But you begin to reprioritize intimacy with Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you this, you have no ability to minister and to care for others unless it's out of the overflow of your life in Him. And so you cannot neglect that. And you have to be uh, zealous for it. You have to, to, to steal it away. Even if you go, moms, and do your devotions in the bathroom with the door locked. Whatever it takes for you to find yourself at the feet of your Savior who has come by your way to have not only conversation with you, but communion with you, then get at it, do it, run to it. And I share that as a sojourner this morning. Because I see what starts to happen if we don't give attention. Many good things are happening, but inside there's a shriveling up of the soul. And you start to see how it interacts with other people. If you're short on the trigger with people, short on the trigger with your kids, maybe you're anxious about a bunch of other things and and all that runs through your mind when you put your head down on the pillow at night is your to-do list, then pause and say, have I 
allowed myself to move away from the feet of Jesus. Now this isn't a talk by any means that's new to us, especially if you're a follower of the Lord. But it's a necessary reminder of a talk. And I challenge you, especially as we begin to head into summer activity, oh, there's a lot of fun things to do. There's a lot of great things to do, memorable things to do. They're not bad at all. But do not neglect time with your Lord and Savior. If you're not a Christian this morning, someone who has never come to crossing the line of faith of committing your life to Jesus, I want you to know that that same Lord that we're talking about sitting at the feet is the same Lord and Savior that can come to you. I'm not talking make-believe. I am not talking make-believe. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. In His Spirit, He knew it was to His advantage that He went away because then He could come through His Spirit and be in our presence. And that Jesus, if you're not a believer this morning, He stands at the door and knocks. Will you let Him in? He's a gentleman. He will never violate the doorway of a household or a life. You invite Him into your life. And then as you invite Him into your life, it's about communing with Him, getting to know Him, growing in Him, and loving Him. Jesus wants you to be found in His presence. Jesus wants you to be growing in an intimate relationship with Him. Foremost importance. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. You can fill in that blank yourself this morning, can't you? But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Do you think she cherished those moments at the feet of Jesus for a lifetime? Other moments that maybe her and her household had? There's the many things, but there's the one thing. The many things are necessary, but it's the one thing that lasts and is cherished through the ages. I want to give you some personal moments as we close to be able to spend time with the Jesus who's here. I'm going to do two things for you. I don't know if these are helpful to you or not. I want to read something to you from an author who's one of many authors I read in my younger years and continue through to today. There was an author of uh, devotional classics. And then I want you to listen to a song. And in this song, I want you to reflect on your need and your willingness to resubmit yourself to His presence to be about the one thing. This reading is a typical reading. I'm of uh, devotional classics. What I mean by devotional classics is not that it's like, oh, here's day one, day two, day three, and you mark it off. Devotional classics are a lot of um, works that were written, most of them 100 years or more ago, by some great saints of the faith who really dwelt in the presence of the Lord. And I don't know if it was a different season of life or time in the world or whatever, but these individuals helped steer me and guide me well in my heart, and my hunger for God. And this particular one is from Andrew Murray. 
Some of you may have read him before. Andrew Murray says this out of the deeper Christian life. Hang with these words, climb into his reflection in his own soul. The divine life within us comes from God and is entirely dependent upon him. As I need every moment afresh the air to breathe, as the sun every moment afresh sends down its light, so it is only in direct living communication with God that my soul can be strong. The manna of one day was corrupt when the next day came. I must every day have fresh grace from heaven, and I obtain it only in direct waiting upon God himself. Begin each day by tearing before God and letting him touch you. Take time to meet God. To this end, let your first act in your devotion be setting yourself still before God. In prayer or worship, everything depends upon God taking the chief place. I must bow quietly before him in humble faith and adoration, speaking thus within my heart. God is near. God is. God is love. Longing to communicate himself to me. God, the Almighty One, who worketh all in all, is even now waiting to work in me and make himself known. So take time. Take time till you know God is very near. When you have given God his place of honor and glory and power, take your place of deepest lowliness and seek to be filled with the spirit of humility. As a creature, it is your blessedness to be nothing, that God may be all in you. As a sinner, you are not worthy to look upon God. So bow in self-abasement. As a saint, though, let God's love overwhelm you and bow you still lower down. Sink down before him in humility, meekness, patience, and surrender to his goodness and mercy. He will exalt you. Oh, take time to get very low, very low before God. Then accept and value your place in Christ Jesus. God delights in nothing but his beloved son and can be satisfied with nothing else than those who draw nigh to him. Enter deep into God's holy presence in the boldness which the blood gives and in the assurance that in Christ you are most well-pleasing. In Christ you are within the veil. You have access into the very heart and the love of the Father. This is the great object of fellowship with God that I may have more of God in my life and that God may see Christ formed in me. So take time to be silent before God and let him bless you. This Christ is a living person. He loves you with a personal love. He looks every day for the personal response of your love. Look into his face with trust till his love really shines into your heart. Make his heart glad by telling him that you do love him. He offers himself to you as a personal savior and keeper from the power of sin. Do not ask. Can I be kept from sinning if I keep close to him? But ask, can I be kept from sinning if he is always keeping close to me? And you see at once how safe it is to trust him. We have not only Christ's life in us as a power and his presence with us as a person, but we have his likeness to be wrought into us. He is to be formed in us so that his form or figure, his likeness can be seen in us. Bow before God until you get some sense of the greatness and blessedness of the work to be carried on by God. In you this very day. Say to God, Father, here I am for you to give as much in me of Christ's likeness as I can receive. And wait to hear him say, My child, I give you as much of Christ as your heart is open to receive. The God who revealed Jesus in the flesh and perfected him will reveal him in you and perfect you in him. The Father loves the Son 
and delights to work out his image and likeness in you. Count upon it that this blessed work will be done in you as you wait on your God and hold fellowship with him. Scripture, devotions, quietness, proximity. And for me, one of the things that's held dear sway in my heart to be found at the feet of Jesus is music. And many times, because I span some generations, it's some of the hymns. I want you to listen to this song by the Gaither Vocal Band, some of the guys, and it talks about being at the feet of Jesus. You don't have to watch the video. You can close your eyes, listen to it, but ask the Lord to reveal Himself afresh to you because you need Him. You know, sometimes I felt guilty for trying to slow down this week. You ever been that way? I'm not accomplishing anything. But as I sought to slow down and spend time in His presence, He began to fill my heart. But it's because I chose some extra time this week to be found at the feet of Jesus. Spend time with the Jesus that wants to be in conversation with you in these moments. Listen. There I 
just bow our heads. I know that uh, it strikes a chord in many of us. But maybe there is just a step of obedience that you need to take before the Lord this morning saying that you do need to reorder your life to spend more time at His feet. And if you are one of those individuals that just feels you need to acknowledge before Him that step of obedient faith for this coming week even, I'm just going to invite you to stand and I want to pray for you across this room saying, I am there. I need to be found at the feet of Jesus. Our Lord Jesus, You are our righteousness. And it's in You that we find the hope of glory. Jesus, I pray for these who are standing as well as those who are standing in their hearts. That you would help them this week find some still moments. Some moments of proximity near you. Listening. Being attentive. And being submissive to your voice. Lord, we thank you that you didn't chastise Martha in her busyness of loving you by serving you but that you did ask her really to examine if she had some misplaced priorities maybe some misdirected anger Lord you ask her to evaluate her life being caught up in the many things highlighted Mary's life 
of being consumed with the one thing that would be carried with her forever. Lord, a lot of our responsibilities are important. Things that are accomplishing means to provide a living and to be an encouragement to others, our own families. But Lord, we know when all is said and done that what we carry with us through into eternity foremostly is our relationship with you. And so Lord, may we not be a people who neglect that. So on this Mother's Day, Lord, we thank you and we celebrate the opportunity it is to be a nurturer of others. We are far more grateful that you have chosen to be a nurturer of us. And so may we come to you and embrace you in the beauty of your holiness and your love, knowing that indeed it never fails. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Let's join the team in worshiping as we close with this song. The ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings as well as your connection cards.